Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christu. Please be seated. And on the day before he fell asleep in the Lord by his death on the cross, you should say fell asleep in the Father's bosom, he called his disciples together to confirm the sign of the covenant. So in the Jewish community, there were sacred suppers. Celebrated the Passover from slavery in Egypt to and in the water and into the promised land. And they celebrated that standing with staffs in their hands and food that had not been cooked, uh, cooked so much. But this uh, covenant meal was different. It did not deal with that Passover. It dealt with the covenant of the temple, which we read about in Chronicles. And of course, we read more extensively or more applied to our Lord in the book of the Hebrews. Because Jesus Christ in the book of the Hebrews, he's not only the priest of the uh, celebration, but he's the victim. So the sacrifice of the covenant in the Old Testament um, prefigured what Christ did in his last meal with his disciples and apostles. There was bread, there was wine, there was a table, there was singing of psalms, the Hillel. And during this celebration, which was similar to what they were uh, used to doing, he transformed the meaning of that holy meal. So he said to them, at the beginning of the meal, picking up the bread to bless it, this is my body. And he said to them at the last cup, the cup of benedictions, this is my blood. This uh, scene of covenant with them in the body, in his body and blood, is much fulfilled on Good Friday when he is the Lamb of God, as Isaiah told us, who came to take away the sins of the world, and he offers himself to the Father on the cross and sheds his blood for our sanctification and salvation. This sacrifice will be acceptable because he will rise again, and he will go to the right hand of the Father and sit down on his throne with the Father. In John's Gospel, chapter 6, 
there's a further understanding of these, uh, this activity. John is, first of all, a theologian. Theologian, especially in our Eastern tradition, is not someone who knows the scriptures and the law and interprets everything well and the dogmas. He is one who God speaks to when he prays. He is one who receives messages from God. In my limited uh, studies, I found three such people explicit in the sacred scripture. St. Paul, St. John the theologian, the great seer who is the apostle of Paul, who saw the angels and things of heaven and wrote them down. We often speak to you of these things. John, in chapter 6, quotes the Lord and says, Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you do not have life in you. And this is the body and blood of the risen Lord. And in the Eucharist there is present body, blood, soul, and divinity, Jesus Christ. That's a dogmatic teaching of the Catholic Church. In all churches who are of the apostolic tradition, this teaching was never challenged until the Reformation. Before that, no Christian had any doubt about that. And so we find our position today sometimes defending the true presence of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Well, dear brothers and sisters, the sad news is this. If you do not believe that, you are not a Christian. But some of his own followers, it says in John, said this was a hard saying, and they walked away. The proof of our Lord's presence in the Holy Eucharist is his own words in the Gospel. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians, then when he says, I received the Lord right hand unto you, and he was betrayed, he took bread, blessed, and said, this is my body. He took the cup of wine and blessed and drink, this is my blood. And this is our covenant with the Lord in the body and blood of the Lord. In every Eucharist we celebrate, we offer back to God the Father, the great Holy Son of his, the Lamb of God. Now we see the body and blood to confirm our solidarity in God's Holy Church as a Eucharistic people of God truly fed on the body and blood of the Lord. Uh, tonight, at this feast on Holy Thursday, we confirm that faith. And we also confirm the apostles and bishops amongst us 
who are in apostolic succession, being ordained by the apostolic community even down to this day, who can celebrate this Eucharistic sacrifice and feed us on the body and blood of the Lord. If your priest never did anything in the church except celebrate the Eucharist and give you the body and blood of the Lord, he would give you the greatest service any man can give you on the earth. I think at this night uh, about my own ordination. It was magnificent. I think about Terence Cardinal Cook. He was Archbishop Cook then. He is now servant of God. He was holy then and now he's even holier in heaven. And he came, took us behind the uh, holy, the high altar after we ordained. And he said to only a couple of things to us. He gave us faculties of the, of the diocese. And he gave us uh, uh, just words of encouragement and told us that we are taking upon ourselves not something easy. Of course, I listened, but I was so in love with it all. It's probably the greatest experience of my life. And I thought I was floating around that cathedral. And uh, I was given a side altar to go to, and people came up, and I gave them my first priestly blessing after I blessed my mom and dad and the family. Priest amongst us, is the one who perfects the sacrament of the Eucharist and is in his actions, in his blessings. And the Cardinal gave us to bless the power to bless anything with just one sign of the cross. But I like to say all the prayers of blessing when I bless things so people understand what they're about. And that evening, uh, I think I've told the story before, maybe ad nauseum, we had to be back to the seminary by 10 o'clock, but we went out with our families for dinner. And I went to the Hotel New York, the very top, you know, beautiful dining room, with my family, and we had dinner. Then I had to leave them and rush across New York City to get the train or the subway back to Dunwoody to the seminary. And as I was walking down the street, I passed the Franciscan church. And there was a man standing on the curb looking at me. And there I am, you know, in a brand new black suit and, and Roman collar and everything, looking the picture of the priest of the day. And he says to me, I want to go to confession. I said, well, there's the Franciscan church right there, and they have confessors on all day and in the evening, well, it's locked. And he's looking at me, and I said to myself, well, I'm a priest. It dawned on me, well, I said, I guess I could hear your confession. So I had my first confession on the sidewalk in New York City, and I had my a new, a brand new stove in my pocket, a little one, 
I put that on and I heard his confession. Then I gave him penance and rushed away. I don't know who he was, because I don't have to know that. But it was a quick realization of the life of the church is bound to the life of the priest. It hurts my heart to see many of my brothers who are trapped by Satan, by organizations which try to destroy the church and especially to destroy the priesthood. It hurts my heart when I see the priests are not uh, treated properly and there's an effort to downgrade them in what they do. How would we do without them? The last two times I was in the hospital here in Walla Walla, I didn't have the opportunity to be anointed. There was no priest around. Now you people here, you, you, at least you have me around. I will anoint you. But it's hard to find a priest. So we go on retreat. The bishop has the priest anoint us. We all get anointed in case... We die somewhere where there's no priest and we don't have the sacrament of the anointing. These are priestly activities that bring Christ to earth. The same Christ that said to the right hand God, the Father Almighty in heaven, is in his priestly sacraments and in the priesthood. And so when I buried a priest down in Oregon here, he had been a convert to the church, not Father Frank. We we drove half a day down along the seashore of Oregon, which is beautiful, and we stopped at a graveyard on a country place. I don't think there was just a country graveyard, but you could see the Pacific Ocean from there. And we put him in the ground. And I thought to myself, these holy relics sanctify this earth. Wonderful. God reaches out to us through Christ and relics, especially in the sacraments, in his holy words, and the great offices of the church which teach us and, and glorify God in heaven. And you, priestly people, who live your life close to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, who are faithful to prayer and go to frequent confession. Who is perfect? God is perfect. Who is holy? God is holy. And if we are holy, it's because God's life is in us. Especially in our Eastern Church, we believe in the divine energies which come to us from the Father, through the Son, and powered by the Holy Spirit. That's apostolic teaching. But I think he's closest to us when we go to receive him in the Holy Eucharist and we prepare ourselves well by our daily prayer and confession. Confession has a special relationship to the Holy Eucharist. That's why I always encourage everybody 
to make a good confession before Holy Thursday. It does things for us. It prepares us better to receive the holy body and blood of our Lord. Secondly, it forgives our sins. Thirdly, it gives us a pledge of divine aid in time of temptation so that we can really live a Eucharistic life. It's magnificent. In all this, in this covenant with Jesus Christ, the high priest, who died for us on the cross, who suffered and rose on the third day, was enthroned the right of the Father in heaven. He did so we could participate in that divine life, which is his gift to us, the life of the energies, sanctifying grace and above that and all. This is proof of his Father's love for you and his love for each and every one of you. It says in Scripture, the man that loves you lays down his life for you. The man who loves you has died on, will die on the cross. The man who loves you will not leave you alone, but feed you on his body and blood, the food for our journey to the heavenly kingdom. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.